let's show some appreciation for our worship team. Come on, let's thank the Lord for them and the great job that they do. They put in lots of hours and lots of prayer and lots of practice, and so we, we just want to give honor to that and thank them for that. Well, it's good to see you all this morning. Are you Again, I want to ask you one more time. I won't do this again. Are you glad you came to church today? I know that you're here, you are the most holy people because you showed up on such a beautiful day when you could be out at the lake. You said, you know, I'm going to go be with Tim. So you, that makes you really holy. No. You're here because of Jesus, I know. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. We're going to get right into the Word of God. We are in a series right now entitled DIY discipleship. If you know anything about DIY, it's do it yourself. And that's everywhere in the world that we live today. That You can watch uh, tons of different YouTube channels. You can Google it. You can go down to Home Depot. You can figure out how to do anything, just about anything yourself. If you have the willpower, the money, the time, you can do it. And uh, we are in this series this summer on do-it-yourself discipleship. And the key verse for us is that verse that you find uh, Jesus' words in John chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus says, These things you see me do, you shall do, and greater than these, because I go to my Father. And uh, when I was reading that verse of Scripture again, all over again, he sa- I, just, I saw those words, like, the things you see me do, you can do it yourself. Like everything. In fact, he said, the same things that I do, you shall do. And then he went on and said, and greater. And so I really believe the Lord is drawing us into this season of discipleship. And kind of, and the other day I was thinking about this, you know, uh, this idea about what we've been through over the last year and a half or so. And I think for a lot of us, we just need to get our feet back under us a little bit, spiritually speaking. And I think sometimes we just kind of got to get back to the basics of what really matters, of what really counts, and what is really most important of all. And that's to love the Lord, because this is the call of discipleship, to love Jesus first, to learn of Jesus in every way, so that I could live fully the life of Christ while I'm in the earth. And that is discipleship. And so that's what we're talking about. And uh, so today, I want to talk about what Charles Spurgeon called the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. He was talking about prayer. He said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Jesus prayed. Can I get an amen out there? Jesus prayed, so his disciples must pray. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, and you're going to love it. By faith. I don't want nobody coming under condemnation today. That's not what this is about. This is about us getting on board with Jesus and doing the same thing He did, doing the same thing. And if you want to be a person of prayer, let's look at what Jesus did and what he said. 
Let's look together in Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to begin by reading verses, we're going to read verses 1 through 8 so you can follow along as I read. And the title of this message today is Refreshing Your Prayer Life. I, I feel like I know I need a refresher course in prayer today, and so let's look at what Jesus, what the Bible says about Jesus in prayer. It says, now it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then Jesus said to them, which which of you would have a friend, uh, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Jesus said, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. That's the word of God. Let's pray and get it right into it. Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. Jesus, we honor you right now. And we honor your word. And we want to give place to the word of God in our hearts. That it would shape us, mold us, even bring correction, Lord, where we need it, we pray today. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen. Amen. One of Jesus' disciples saw him coming out of the place of prayers, as the text says. And he said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, the interesting thing about this is that Jesus had his 12 disciples, his 12 interns, if you will, that were with him for about three, three and a half years, the better part of three years. They were with him when he taught the, taught the amazing truths of Scripture. They listened to him and were captivated by thousands, literally thousands at times of people that were captivated by his teaching. They were with him when he performed miracles, signs, and wonders, when he walked on water, when he cleansed the lepers, when, when um, he raised the dead on a few different occasions. They were there. They saw this. They were there when throngs of people would gather around Jesus. The word would get out and people would come to just be around Jesus, to touch him, oftentimes to touch his garments in hopes that they might be healed. But it's interesting that this disciple on that day and we know that the scripture, that there's no recorded, uh, there's no record of a disciple asking Jesus to teach them how to raise the dead. 
There's no recorded scripture that they ask, Lord, teach us how to preach the gospel or how to draw a crowd. But they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? That they went right to what we now know and understand is really the key of everything. That I think that disciple that day made a connection in his heart that the key to the power of God in Jesus' life is the fact that he prays. That he gets alone with the Father, and sometimes he just breaks out in prayer in front of people. But he's a man of prayer. He believes in prayer. He practiced prayer. He exemplified prayer. And then he would walk around, and people would be healed, and people would be drawn to him, and he would raise dead people. He would, he would, he would perform signs and wonders. And, and I think something triggered in that disciple, whoever that disciple was, that said, Lord, teach us to pray. I think something triggered in his heart. That if you want the power of God to be manifest in your life, to flow in you and through you, to make a difference all the way around you, that we have to be people, men and women of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Can you say that with me right now? Lord, teach us to pray. I think if we are honest disciples in this room today, I think we would have to admit that we very often struggle with prayer. Many of us don't even pray. Some of us don't know how to pray. There are others of us in the room today that it's become a priority issue in our lives. And we've misplaced the priority of prayer. Some of us started out strong in prayer. Maybe it was our New Year's resolution and it went for about three or four days and we were really good. And, but we got disappointed in some unanswered prayers. And we got disillusioned like we're not even sure, you know. I mean, it's not like we want to walk away from the faith or we don't want to trust in God, but but, but why pray? Things aren't happening. Things still remain the same, and things aren't any different than they were. I mean, I know God answers prayer, but it doesn't seem like he's really listening to me, or I, maybe I just don't know how to connect with God. So, so it's not like people are just turning their back on God, but they, sometimes we can kind of turn our back on prayer. Come on now. I'm going to need you to help me preach, or I'm going to take a really long time. Amen. I think, and if you're anything like me, I'm due for a refresher in my prayer life. I, I need it desperately. I meet with the Lord. I, I think that I'm pretty consistent. But you know, you can even be consistent and kind of do it, and then you find yourself going through motions without heart and without understanding, and without earnestness, and without passion. And it's so important for us as disciples to get a refresher in our prayer life. Jesus prayed, and if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to pray. 
And so today, the way that I want to go about this is I, I, I feel like in this refresher course on prayer, we need to really understand what prayer is not on one hand, and then on the other hand, we're going to talk about how to pray more effectively. But first of all, let's talk about what prayer is not. Prayer is not. One reason we struggle with prayer is because of the misconceptions we have or the faulty thinking or the misunderstandings that we have about prayer. And what I want to do here is I want to talk about, I have some word picture ideas to help us understand for ourselves what prayer is not. First of all, prayer is not like going to a vending machine and getting exactly what you want when you want it. That is not truly, in its purest form, prayer. How many times in the course of my life, because I'm old, I'm 58 years, I've been on this planet a lot of times, and I've been to a few vending machines, and I put in the right amount of coins, and I thought I pressed the right button, only to watch that little spiral go so far, and my product get hung up and not show up. And I'm standing there with my hands on the glass, forlorn and discouraged, that my Reese's peanut butter cup didn't make the drop. Come on, do I have any witnesses in the room today? Sometimes that's what prayer feels like to us. I prayed the right prayer, I thought. I pushed the right buttons, but why didn't things show up? I wanted to show up. We had a full expectation that what I wanted was going to show up. Now listen, I want to say something. It is good in your prayer life to expect that God is going to answer your prayer. Come on, can I get a witness? We should have a heart of expectation. But listen, God always reserves the right to say, yes, no, wait, I've got a better idea. See, we think, our idea and what we're praying for sometimes is the way that God should work it. And God says, listen, just because you prayed, I'm going to move. But what you prayed for isn't exactly what's going to work. But I've got a better idea to answer your prayer. But it was the, but it was the act of your prayer that prompted the movement of God. See, God can say yes. Very often he does. God can say no. Don't you want God to say no to you if you miss the mark? James says we have not because sometimes we ask amiss. That's God's grace watching out for us. I'm telling you something. I'm preaching right now. Come on. Can I get a witness out there? You want God to say no. You don't want God to say, I'll give them what they want, but I'll have to send leanness to their soul because that's what happened with Israel. He gave them the desire of the heart, but he sent leanness with it. In other words, it wasn't, he let them go ahead and have it because that's what they really wanted, but it didn't do them a bit of good. Amen. God reserves the right. He's not your vending machine. 
to give you what you want just because you thought you pressed all the right buttons. But listen, let me, let me read you a verse of Scripture. This is really important. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything, watch it, according to His will, He hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Come on, don't you love that word right there? According to his will. This is really important. How do I know the will of God? Right here. I know that God is not willing that any should perish, so I pray and I keep on praying for my lost friends and loved ones. I don't stop because I know it's God's will. He is not willing that any should perish. Amen. I believe that the scriptures teach that it is God's will to heal. And so that's why I continue to pray for healing. You say, well, it didn't happen. It must be God's will. That's not the way I look at it. Because the scripture says he sent his word and he healed their disease. By his stripes, you were healed. See, whenever I have a problem, whenever I have an issue, whenever I have a, a hang-up in my life, I find the promise of God concerning that, and I stand on that, and I pray the will of God. And just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean it's not God's will. Just remember this. You're praying to a God, but there's a devil, there's an enemy that is trying to work against the will of God. Then there are those things that are not specifically mentioned in the scripture, things that I might want. That's where I have to say, okay, this is what I think I need. I know it's what I want, but God, I want your will to be done. So there's the will of God in scripture. And there's the will of God where I submit to his plan and his purpose for my life. God is not your vending machine. Here's another way of looking at that. God's not your genie in a bottle. Just come on, God. And he pops out and your wish is my command. No, that's not the way it works. He is your God. He's not your genie. Amen. Here's another word picture. Prayer is not playing tug of war with God. Sometimes we feel like in prayer we're struggling with God, trying to get God to do something for us. And it's like we're pulling on God, we're tugging, come on, God, come on. And God, you know, and God's on the other end, He's pulling. Now listen, let me let me make something very clear. There prayer and the act of prayer can be a struggle because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality and powers in unseen realms. I'm not saying that prayer 
doesn't have struggle with it, but we oftentimes think we're struggling against God or God is struggling against us and that we're playing tug of war, trying to win God over. And you know what happens to us when we get into this mindset? This is where we start begging God, like, come on! Or we, we start moving into bargaining with God. God, if you'll do this, if you'll just do this, well, I, then I'll start going to church more regular. We start bargaining with God, thinking that that's going to win him over. That's not prayer. I want to remind you what John said. This is the confidence we have in prayer. We don't have to have this idea that we, we got to try to win God over God. It's, we're not, prayer is not playing tug of war with God. Here's another one. Prayer is not like a fire extinguisher. Now, you say, Tim, no, wait a minute. Prayer is like a fire. If there's a problem, if there's a fire, you pray. But, but think about this. You're not supposed to be just going and picking up a fire extinguisher and just blowing it all over the place whenever you want. When do you use a fire extinguisher? When you have a fire. And that's the problem with some of us. We don't pray until we got problems. Because I can't, because I got problems, because this issue in my life, I'll finally show up to God. I'll pull out the prayer. I'll pull out the extinguisher of prayer. And I want to I just say this. You can call on the Lord in the day of trouble. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? Even if you haven't been calling on the Lord. But, listen, the Lord wants to be more than your extinguisher. He wants to be your friend, your father. He wants to walk in communion with you every day of your life. And let me just say this. If we would set the course of our day in prayer, listen, we might have less fires blazing in our lives because we've set our life. I'm not saying you won't have problems. But sometimes, because we're not setting our heart in relationship and walking with God in prayer, then, then we make choices and issues and things arise in our life. These fires come up all over the place. We need to fireproof our life, not just find a way to put it out. Amen. Here's another one. Prayer is not blindly swinging at a piñata. Now, when I was a kid and we would play that game at a birthday party, they would put a, they would cover your eyes, and they didn't, then they would turn you in circles. So not only now are you blind, but you're dizzy. And they put a stick in your hand, and now you're just swinging in the air. I mean, you're just, you know, you're, you're hoping something will land. You're hoping that something will, you'll, that you'll hit the mark. I mean, you know, just any kind of swing, any kind of prayer, just, man, just let it work. And then you're hoping that it not only lands, but the prize falls out. And then the way we played the game, you're hoping that nobody else steals the prize that you may fall on the ground. I think sometimes this is what prayer feels like to us. Like I can't see, 
I'm dizzied by the situation I'm going through. I feel disoriented. I got this stick, this power, this, this punch in my hand to call prayer, but I just, I don't even know. I just don't even know if I'm hitting anything, if it's making any difference. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Again, I want to remind you of 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, this is the confidence that we have. This is not a guessing game. Now, you and I sometimes are in dark places. And sometimes even, listen, even the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, we don't always know how to pray. If you ever felt like you didn't know what to pray or how to pray, you're in good company. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. But here's what Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus said, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will what them? Have them. When you pray, when you pray, Jesus said, I say to you. How many know when Jesus talks, everybody should listen? So what he's about to say is a really important thing. And he says, I want you to get this into your spirit. I'm tell it's me telling you this. That when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. You may not know always how to pray, but you get the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is why Paul said, pray in the Spirit. In other words, have the mind of the Spirit. There are times when I'm in prayer, or I go to prayer, and I don't know how to pray about a problem, and I literally will pause and say, Holy Spirit, please give me understanding how to pray right now. Because I don't even know what to say. I don't even know where to go with this. You don't have to pray like you're blindfolded and just swinging in the air and hoping something lands. You have the Holy Spirit who is your helper. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? One final thing that I want to say about what prayer is not. Prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. How many of us grew up in a certain church world where we were taught that to bring correction you had to say so many of these prayers and so many of that prayers. And really all that was designed to do was not to purify the soul, but was to correct the conscience. And if you say all those prayers and you say them at the right time and in the right way, and you say the amount that you're supposed to say, then you're guiltless, and you're clean again, and you're good again. But listen, before we judge anybody else, how often do we enter into our prayer life thinking, because I haven't been praying, that God is upset with me, and He's not happy with me, and I've got to try to get back into His presence and curry His favor. And all we're doing, instead of prayer becoming a relationship, we're just trying to appease our own conscience. That's not prayer. I said that's not prayer. 
You haven't been in the presence of the Lord for a while in prayer? Go back into his presence and say, thank you, Lord, that you've opened to me a new and living way. And you just walk right in, boldly. Why? Because you're covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, prayer is not sometimes the things that we treat it or think it. We, we have faulty thinking about prayer and misunderstanding. It's not that. But, so settling that issue in our heart, hopefully, let's talk about how to live a more prayerful life or how to pray more effectively, consistently even. Anybody here want to pray more effectively in your life? To not just go through the motions, not just swinging in the air, not just, you know, wanting God to do this and do that, or treating prayer like, you know, a, a get out of a fiery, sticky, hard situation real quick. It's more than that. And Jesus exemplifies this for us in the passage. And this is what I, I want to take a moment and look at. If you have your Bibles or you might want to open back up there to, to Luke chapter 11 because we'll be referring to the text off and on here. But to, to, to lead a more effective prayer life, there are three things out of this passage that I want to share with you. First of all, we need to prioritize the place of prayer in our life again. Everybody say priority. You know, there should be things that are priority in your life. If you have children, they become a priority. If you have a job, that's a priority. God is your priority. The Word of God should be a priority. There isn't just, there are many different priorities that we need to arrange and align in our life. And of the things relating to our relationship with God, prayer needs to be a priority in our day. And it says here in the scriptures that it came to pass that Jesus was praying in a certain place. Everybody say certain place. Now he was in a certain place. That's what it means. That he was in the garden or he was up on a hillside or he was in somebody's house. He was in a certain place. But what I saw in that was that prayer had a certain place in Jesus' life that he prayed in a certain place because prayer had a place in his life. The Bible tells us in other places that very often Jesus would go off to solitary places by himself where he would pray. In Mark chapter 1, verse 38, it talks about that Jesus would get up a great while before dawn and he would go off and he would meet with the father and pray it was a part of his life and if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ then that should become a part of our life as well amen come on smile at me out there finding a place making prayer a priority where it has precedence in our days. Why is this so important? Because this is divine connection. This is where you commune with God. 
And this making uh, prayer, uh, that prayer has a place in your life refers also to continual prayer, praying continually, praying without ceasing. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, that we are to pray without ceasing. The, thing, the beautiful thing about the Lord is that you can be at work and be praying. You can be in your car and be praying. You could be at the lake and be praying. Don't do that on Sunday. You could, no, I'm teasing. Uh, you can be anywhere in the world. You can, be going, you can be going through any circumstance in your life, and you can be talking with God at any time, at any turn, about any situation in your life, and all we have to do is do it. Not think about it, but just do it. One of the things that I, it, I, I always kind of get amazed by this, but I notice this mostly in airports. I'm walking down the airport, and of course there's throngs of people going here and there, and I'll see a guy, he'll have a suitcase in one hand, a hand in the other pocket, and he's whisking down the aisle, you know, going down the airport, and he's talking just out loud. And I'm like, what's wrong with that guy? And then I look at him, and I realize he's got this little apparatus in his ear, and you know what he's talking? He's communing while he's walking. He's visiting with somebody. He's solving problems. He's doing business. Whatever the case may be, he was, he was if you will, praying, talking, fellowshipping, dealing with issues in his life, solving problems. Whatever the case may be, you can do this while in movement. Every day. Keeping the lines of communication open. We can pray without ceasing, walking and talking with the Lord everywhere we go. But not only do we have the place of continual prayer, but here's what I really want to encourage us in, is the place of closet prayer. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, when you pray, not if you get around to it. Man, you guys are quiet today. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Watch this. And the Father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. Now, some translations talk about what it says here, you go into your room. Literally, it means closet. And that's literally the translation. And in ancient times, in the days of Jesus, they were very small homes. Usually, there was one living area where everybody lived and everybody slept, and they had an upper roof where you would go out in the evening or in the early, early morning hours and you would enjoy the outside. And, but there was usually a room in the middle of the house that it was a special room. It was a room where they kept important things, things that were valuable to them as a family. And this is what Jesus is referring to. He says, I want you to go into that room, just you and the Lord. Get into a secret place with God. Go into a place where it's just you and God, not you and your cell phone and God.
Just you and the Lord. Just get secret with God. He wants to meet with you in a secret place. Go into that room where you stash all your valuables and understand the most valuable thing you can do is be with me. The thing that is going to bless your life more than anything else is my presence. Meet with me in the secret place, and I'll see you in that secret place. And out of this secret place, I will reward you. I will show blessing and favor in your life because you've established a place of secrecy with me and prayer with me and intimacy with me and communion with me. It's going to have an overflow and affect every aspect of your life. I want that. I need that. I don't want to go through the motions of prayer. I don't want to, I don't want to get into guilt-ridden prayer. I don't want to just give me what I want. I pushed all the right buttons. Lord, I woke up at 5 this morning. I prayed. I read my Bible. I want what I want. And, and then it's just hung up. I don't want that kind of prayer life. I want God who sees me in secret. bless me openly not for my own you know to bring attention to myself but that his glory may be seen amen so get into that secret place with God you can walk with Jesus and talk at the same time you can do it amen you can do it but I want to encourage you, set aside a time where you get with God alone, and it's just you and him. So we need to establish and prioritize a place of prayer in our life. The second thing, and I won't take a lot of time on this, I don't think, by God's grace, we need to follow the pattern of prayer that Jesus laid out for us. So I said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus said, and this is, this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's not, it's not really the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is found in John chapter 17. This is really the disciples' prayer. But we call it the Lord's Prayer. And he gives this great prayer that oftentimes becomes little more than a prayer that we recite in gatherings or even in our own mind. But Jesus really didn't give this to us to be this kind of religious ritual that we pray. He gave it as a pattern, as an outline, if you will. He gave it as a template to guide us into the important issues, things that are important to God and things that really are important to us when you, when you think about it. He said, when you go into this secret place, when you go into this place where it's just you and the Lord, then he said, and he, and he said, say these things. And so I want to encourage us, if, if you need a, a prayer refresher in your spirit, maybe to go back to this. Open the Bible tomorrow morning or evening or whenever, whenever it's the time where you get alone with God and, and allow these words just to, you know, just to be a guiding light for you in this prayer time and just kind of pause at each place and just let it resonate and, and let, it, let it begin to, 
let it be like a launch pad to your prayer time. He said, say these things, our Father. Stop right there. Man, do you realize that you are approaching Almighty God as your Father? See, when we go into the presence of God, we need to understand, first and foremost, I'm in relationship with God. I'm his child. He's my Abba. He's my daddy. He's my father. And he's not just like any kind of earthly father. He's heavenly. He's perfect. He's good. He's righteous. He's merciful. He's holy. You know why I can be there? Not because I'm good, but because Jesus was good for me. And it was through the shed blood of Jesus that the door was swung wide open and the Father just wants me to come in. And here's something else. Father God wants to be with you. He's got time for you. Amen. Now, I'm not Abba, but to one little man, I'm Papa. And when I was out visiting my grandson, Mac, and I was holding his little brother in my hand downstairs. I heard faintly off upstairs after he got out of the bath, Papa. And I got up holding that little Maddox, and I walked around the corner. I looked up at him, and she said, uh, Heather said, he just wanted you to see him in his bathrobe. <laughs> and the other day, I got a call from, I thought, Zach. But it wasn't Zach, it was Mac. And they said, Mac brought the phone to him, and they, he said, Papa. Now, we are made in the image of God. My heart was warmed. I had time. I got up from where I was at the response of Papa. I guarantee you, as much as I was wanting to be in his presence, God wants to be in your presence all the more. Then Jesus said, say, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means set apart, holy, revered, good. When you're in the presence of the Lord, approach him relationally, but adore him worshipfully. Praise the Lord, literally, out loud, and sing songs. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning. You can literally sing songs to Jesus. Sing him a song. David said, sing a new song. Sing to the Lord. Thank him. Take time to thank him for what he's been doing in your life, and praise him, and bow before him, and worship him. You don't have to spend the whole time on your knees, but you, it's okay to get on your knees and to humble yourself before God, and just worship him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen, your kingdom come, your will be done. In the Greek language, literally the, the, the uh, tense and mood of that is, your kingdom come and will be done here and now. You know, one of the reasons why we pray is because God is moving through our prayers as we advance kingdom priorities, as we advance the will of God. We're calling forth for God to manifest His word, His will in our life, in our family, in our children, in our marriage, in our finances, in our church, in our world. 
It's up to us to pray. Jesus said, I want you to pray. You say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done right now. And if there's something that is not in alignment with the will and the purpose and the kingdom of God, that's up to you and me to pray it into alignment. Amen. He said, say, give us today our daily bread. How many of you know you want God to meet your needs? And listen, he wants to meet your need. He wants to be your provider. But if you got something that financially or in your marriage or in some relationship or whatever the case may be, if you got some things that you need God, cry out to him and ask. James said we don't have because we're not asking. Instead of carrying the burden, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Instead of worrying about it, seek. His kingdom and His righteousness first. Ask the Lord, God, make this happen. Bring this together. I know we've heard all this before. But we don't need to just say amen to prayer. We need to live it. Amen. Jesus said, I want you to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Listen. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people go hand in hand. And what the Lord wants us to do in prayer is if I'm out of alignment in any way relationally, I want to make things right. If God loved me, I want the love of God in me for other people. If God's forgiven me, I want to be able to operate in forgiveness for other people. So Jesus says if you're going to have this kind of relationship... You're going to have, it's going to have to be manifest this way. And you can't hate, you can't be unforgiving, you can't be mad at, you can't hold a grudge against people like this and still walk like this. You better pray about it. Amen. You better give it up to God in prayer so the love of God will flood through your soul and through your spirit to everyone else around you. You say, well, if it wasn't for people, life would be fun. Well, life is about people. You're one of them. Amen. Jesus said, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Notice he said the evil one. God, this is, this, at this point of prayer, this is where we appropriate the victory of Jesus in our life. You have some struggles in your life. You have some temptations. You have some addictions. You have some things in your life that seem to be weighing you down and ensnaring your soul. The Lord said, pray that you would walk in the victory of Jesus Christ. Pray. Say, Lord, you know, set the course of your day. You've been dealing with some temptation. Well, there's a place where if you're struggling, you can go to other people and they will help you pray about it if you confess it and kind of let it get flushed out of your system. But you can also meet with the Lord and every day set in the parameter of your life the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, lead me not in this way, but deliver me from the evil one and help me to walk in the victory today. Help me to live that out in my days. You say, well, I stumbled and fell. Get back up and do it again. Well, I did it again. Pray again. Day by day. Come on. 
I need to wrap this up quickly. So we need to prioritize the place of prayer. I think it would be good to follow the pattern that Jesus laid out for us. And then finally, we need to commit to being persistent in prayer. Jesus gave this parable of a man who had somebody showed up at his house. Now in Jesus' day, when you had anybody travel to your city and stay with you, the first thing you were to always do was throw food at them, feed them. That was the custom. And even in some parts of that culture today, that is the custom, to break bread together and to fellowship. And so these travelers were coming through town, and they showed up rather late, midnight, and, the, and they just showed up, and he didn't have any food, and so he went to his friend. Everybody say friend. He went to his friend's house. If anybody's going to help me, it's going to be my friend. And he said, I want three loaves. I need three loaves. That's what's going to feed this group of people. I need you to give me three loaves. Jesus said, who of you wouldn't have a friend? You go to him at midnight and ask him for three loaves. And he wouldn't say to you, shh, my kids are asleep. Don't bother me right now. Don't bother me right now. He said, I, he, he said that man will not rise and give him what he wants because he's his friend, but because he won't stop bothering him. To get him to go away and to shut up so the kids won't be awakened, he's going to give him what he needs. And, and here's the point that Jesus is making. There are times, and literally this has to become a part of our everyday life, but there are issues in our life where we need to persist in prayer. There is an enemy trying to stop the will of God in your life. And we're going to have to have a heart that just keeps going back and knocking on the door, which Jesus goes on to say, and keep asking the Lord and keep knocking on the door and keep seeking because he said, whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, it shall be open to them. We can't stop now. We can't give up now. Just because things aren't falling into place, just because I prayed and it didn't happen, that doesn't mean that it's not supposed to happen. But you and I have to get some persistence on the inside of us. This is the way Jesus prayed. And he's saying to us, this is the way you need to pray. And this is what is needed in the culture today in which we live, is a praying church that doesn't give up on the will of God and the purpose of God. I want to invite you guys, if you're not doing this and you're able to do it, to come out on Tuesdays at noon and pray with us. And meet here for about an hour. And we're doing some fasting and prayer. If, you, if, if that works for you, if that doesn't work for you, that's fine. But you're always welcome to show up here at noon and we can pray together. Because we need continual prayer, closet prayer, but we also could use some corporate prayer. Where we come together as the house of God. Because Jesus said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. And God wants to do things in the earth, and he wants to do it. And he, here's the thing. He does it through people who pray. Amen. Charles Spurgeon said that prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of God, the omnipotence of God, the power of God, 
God works through praying people. Let's stand together. Do you want a more vibrant prayer life? Let's ask the Lord to give that to us. Come on, let's ask the Lord to do that right now. Can we do that right now? Lord, we want a prayer life that is real, that is genuine, that is fervent, that is dependent, that is joyful. God, would you raise us up to be a praying people today? Would you refresh, push the refresh button on our prayer life today, God, and let something shift in us where we are not talking about prayer, we're doing it. We're not praising prayer, we're practicing it. And Lord, I pray that no one comes under condemnation here today. I pray that none of us will just kind of beat ourselves up and, and feel bad about being maybe a little bit more on the prayerlessness side. I pray, God, that we would get confidence and courage in us to just go back into your presence. God, make us a praying church right now. Make us a praying people. God, where we cry out to you, we believe in you, we trust in you, and know that we have whatever we ask. God, give us a great prayer life, I pray. We love you, Jesus. Come on, one more time, lift your hands to Jesus and just thank him. Thank him for being a good Savior and a good God to you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for meeting with us here today. We receive your word to help us to walk according to it today. We lift our hands saying, Lord, we're yours, just like you're ours. We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen.